0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Leading the Way, the sales enablement podcast. My name is Marissa Benrell, and I am the senior manager of content marketing at Highspot. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sapphire Reels. Sapphire is the director of portfolio and integrated marketing at Pluralsight and leads the teams responsible for evolving the organization's story as a multi-product platform. Her team is also responsible for creating and deploying global integrated marketing programs so they do it all. In this episode, we're discussing three ways marketers can measure the impact of sales content. Thanks for joining me, Sapphire. Hi, everyone. Hi,
1: Marissa. It's great to be here today. So I'm Sapphire Reels. I am the Director of Portfolio and Integrated Marketing at Pluralsight, which is a very long and jargony title. Um, That just means part of my team focuses on our portfolio and solution story. Um, So my background is as a B2B SaaS product marketer. And so I started... In product marketing for one product at our company, over time, we have acquired companies, um, grown our own portfolio. So now we have multiple products. And so we have separate product marketing teams that service those individual products. And then um, two people on my team manage what is the kind of the overall portfolio and solution story. Um, so that changes the types of thought leadership content that we're creating it changes our go to market because we're selling to you know high level problems and outcomes for solutions versus products, mm-hmm. and then the other part of my advantage is all of our integrated marketing campaigns. So making sure we've got a consistent experience and messages across every channel from the moment someone hears about Pluralsight all the way down through when they make that sale. And they decide to be retained as a customer. So it's been fun so far on that journey.
0: It sounds like a lot of fun. I am very, very envious of all of the knowledge I bet that you are able to just mine from your customers and prospects. So you have such insight into what's working, what's not, you know, what experience did they have when they were a prospect are now a customer? So sure. let, yeah, that's awesome. So let's get into it. Um, You know, We are obviously dealing with buyers who in the last couple of years have gone through a lot of change. The industry has changed. Buyers have changed. Everything has has, has sort of shifted. Some things have stayed the same, but but a lot has shifted. Um, You know, today's buyers, they're really, really busy adapting to the world around us, right? And in order to get their attention and to keep them engaged, sellers really have to just, you know, make videos that are personalized and interesting and yeah. are going to grab attention. And so as we kind of think about what the new buyer looks like, you know, 74% of buyers choose a seller that was first sad value and insight however 65% of marketers are still challenged when it comes to understanding what types of content are actually effective and engaging buyers and buy and content is so important to the buyer's journey and to the sales cycle you know 17 pieces of content on average being used throughout the sales cycle so we have marketers who aren't really sure you know what's working and what's not we have sellers who really need this amazing content to engage buyers and get them to close deals so sapphire what have you found is one of the biggest challenges or maybe multiple that marketers are facing when trying to gain visibility into content performance. What would you say are those factors that are keeping them from un- unlocking that knowledge?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great tee up and a, a really great question. So thank you for that. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> do we? I don't know how much time. We have? Right. How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, there's there's definitely a lot. And so when I first joined my company, um, one of my first projects actually was sales enablement. So today we have. Um, product marketing teams. We have my team. We also have a separate sales enablement team and they're now like specialized. They focus on you know specific regions and roles and personas. There's a sales leader enablement person. There's a CSM enablement person. Um, wow. So we've really grown over time. But when I joined five years ago, product marketing did sales enablement. And so my first big project was Not only trying to figure out like, what is the state of (laughs) sale training at all site? I will say that is what I would call it at the time. Um, But we were going through a massive overhaul of like updating our messaging and our personas and our whole go to market was shifting. And so there was a lot that I uncovered. And as I've gone out and talked to many other people in the PMA and some of the other groups, um, a couple of things you know, I experienced and they've experienced, I think one of the first big things is like data and system limitations. And that is a reality that everybody faces. Um, And what I mean by that is like system limitations is like some people simply don't have a tool. They're still using their (laughs) internet. They're still just kind of sending things out on Slack. (laughs) Like they don't really have this good system to give access to the content for sellers. And what I mean by data limitations is, you know, being able to not just give access to sellers, but also knowing what are sellers using? When are they using it? How are they using it? Um, you know, every IT team is so bogged down. So you have sales folks running sales who want a tool and their IT team is like, sorry, you know, this, our sales for architecture and our data re-architecture take priority. So it can be really challenging just from like a How do I get the data and systems? Mm A couple other things I've seen is, you know, anyone will tell you that it is really hard to get sales reps using new assets and building new new behaviors. you know, like (laughs) we could go on for that about hours, but like it is really, really, really hard. You know, it's not just about having a system to make, Content available. It's how do you make it consumable? How do you make it actionable? A lot of times there is a um a lack of a really a good relationship with sales. Um, marketers are so focused on how do I create this awareness? How do I get someone who knows about us? But like what happens to that person once they know who you are and kind of what you're about? How do you bring them down that funnel? Right. There's <laughs> definitely a gap there and you have to be able to really. Build relationships with your sales teams and you'll know, even broader that customer success. If you have professional services teams, you have support teams, like those are the folks who are in the trenches every yeah. single day. Right. And when they don't trust that you understand what it's like for them to be in the trenches, it's really hard for them to say, like, I'm gonna go use this new marketing asset that you've created. There's almost this like bias that right. those folks have. Um, and and sometimes that comes from a feeling of like look, the marketing content that you're creating, like it lacks my buyer's perspective or it lacks this type of conversation that I'm actually having in the sales cycle. Um, and so, yeah, said simply like a lot of data and system limitations, um, a lot of relationship and trust issues. And then a lot of the relationship and trust issues kind of come back to this feeling of like, marketing doesn't actually understand how I'm talking to my buyers or what, what they're telling me. I don't see that reflected in the content. And therefore I'm just, I'm not going to use it.
0: Right. Right. I, uh, yep. All of it, all of it rings, (laughs) rings so many bells and rings true. And I've experienced all of it in, you know, when you, you touched on a lot of people don't have access to data when you came in and you, you said one of, you know, the first tasks that you were asked to kind of go through was unlocking some of that data. So what did that process look like for you? Did you have a tool? Was it just, you needed to talk to IT or the t- or, you know, RevOps, who, whatever team owned the data? How did you kind of get access to finally uncover some of that? What did that look like for you?
1: It was messy and hard <laughs> I had no wish upon anybody. We had nothing like yeah. the, at the time, we just had sellers who had things like saved on their desktop. And like, I I went to, you know, one seller and they're like, I'm using this asset from like 2012. And you're like, it's 2017, you know, homie, what are you doing? You know, so it was highly manual. We didn't have, you know, we had like an internal intranet where people uploaded their content and like, yeah, I could see how many views it had, but I had no context of like, Who in sales was using it? How were they using it? Um, And so one of the first things that I did is like, partly this was about building trust and partly it was about understanding what's available. Is like, I just went to sales leaders and I was like, look, I know your teams are using some sort of content, whether we provided it or they created themselves, like they're using something. So like, who are those sellers who are super high performers? Yeah who are those sellers that are like middle of the road and who are those sellers who are struggling and need a little bit of help? Can you give me like five names from each of those groups? Yeah. I'm going to go talk to them and I'm going to figure out what they're using. And so I just started with sales interviews, um, really just asking them, you know, when a conversation, when you get a lead, yeah, like where's the first place you go to look for content? Mm-hmm. What content have you used? What's been successful? So, Through those conversations, I was able to uncover a lot of the like, I don't know what to go find. I just kind of use whatever I've created or used in the past. Um, And I was also able to kind of, you know, on the marketing side, obviously we know everything we've created. So I was looking at like 200 assets that we had created and I was able to really map that to what the sales team told me they were using. And like, there was a massive gap between the amount and volume of content we were creating versus what they actually use. So I was able to start with like a, okay, here's what they're using. Here's (laughs) what they're at least telling me is helpful. Now, what are some of the gaps we have in content? I know we have that they're not using as successful. And then what are some of the gaps of like, Ooh, we probably don't have that thing and we should go create it. So highly, highly manual without having any of that data.
0: I I have been there and <laughs> and I know I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Um, and I once I, you know, started working at HighSpot, it was my first interaction with the sales enablement tool and it completely changed everything. It changed how we easy it was to gain sales buy-in because it stopped being about, I think you should use this and I want you to use this. And I created this and it's beautiful. Why aren't you using it? It instead became a conversation around data of, Hey, this is working. I want what's best for you. I want you to be able to close deals. And this data is shows that this is what's helping, you know, other high performers. And so it was so nice to use data as this, um, you know, as a partner in crime <laughs> to, to go to sales and ask them, you know, what's working, what's not, but then also what do they wish that we had? And sometimes, you know, case studies are, are always a pain point. I feel for every seller or sorry, every marketer mm-hmm. of what we got yep. more case studies. It's like, we actually have 12 that you've never used. <laughs> so yeah, maybe case yeah. studies, maybe it's findability, right? Maybe it's search is actually the problem or, you know, findability. You didn't know it existed because you're asking for something that does exist for, you know, Uh, So in the vein of, of, you know, the importance of that data, because you you said, if you don't have it and we kind of went through that. So once you do have it to really understand how much value your content provides to your sales team, I, I think you have to know what content one is being used. So what are they adopting? What are, what is their toolkit, right? Of the five assets, like you said earlier, as soon as you get on that, you know, demo, what are you using? What is your go-to? But then you also have to understand just because, they're using it doesn't mean it's working. So then having that visibility into what's actually engaging customers and what they're clicking into and what they're finding value with. And then also, you know, what I just touched on the findability, how are you searching for content? How are you finding it? You know? um, And I think a lot of that is, is really, you have to have, you know, data to really help you kind of get some of that unless you're having those interviews, like you said. So my question to you is, what would you say is the first step into kind of unlocking content performance insights? Like when you have the information and data and, and you know, maybe if you don't, what was your journey to kind of unlocking content performance
1: yeah, that's a, that's another great question. I, I think a lot of what you just hit on are the types of conversations I were was able to have once I had data analytics. Yeah. Like I started with that really manual process and it was a really simple conversation to go back to not only my leadership, but sales leadership to say, look, I know that we have like 200 assets available mm-hmm. and here's how they are mapped to different kinds of conversations. And I know that it's not surfaced in this way to you right now. Like right. I know that when you go into this tool, this internet, you just see a long list of like one sheet, PDF, like right. an overview, case study, and like, how the hell am I supposed to use this? And so not having the data helped me create the vision of like, well, what if we had the data? Mm. What if I was able to tell you that we actually do have a ton of content that can help you with a first line sales call or a competitive conversation it's just right now it's really difficult for your sellers to access and i don't have any data back that shows me how they're using it mm. when it's successful what types of customers are engaging so yeah it was really that first um doing the manual process helped help me paint that vision for what we could do if we had data and analytics and it it was really just vision casting to say what if i could tell you this and the sales leaders were like hell yeah, I would love you to tell right, me that. Right. Like, that'd be great, <laughs> right? Because then those are the types of things they take back and they coach their team. Like sales yeah. enablement is just setting up sellers for success. Obviously there's uh-huh. so much that goes into it, but like coaching of a salesperson comes from a sales leader. So if that sales leader has very specific data and information to say, I heard, I hear you, your job mm-hmm. is tough. I hear you have this challenging conversation. Have you thought about using this battle card when you're in that competitive conversation? And they might say like, no, I didn't even know it was available. So yeah, just not having the data and like knowing what we could create set me up. So it's definitely getting those analytics first step.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love everything that you're saying. And it it, it rings so true. And I think, you know, most marketers have have had all these experiences that we're talking through. And to your point of, you know, sales enablement, the job of sales enablement is to drive seller success, right? It's to drive consistent execution. And you said it earlier of going to your top performers and seeing what they use, seeing what, if yep. you don't have the data, right? Going to your top performers and say, walk me through your deals from start to finish. Yep. What are you using? How are you saying what you're saying? And that's such a great place to start. And then when you have data, it, you, put less burden on the sellers. It's you saying, Hey, here's what the data is showing us is working. And here's what, you know, Kevin, the amazing performing high performer hits, goes over numbers every quarter can validate that. Yeah. And Kevin is the top person who pitches this as, you know, more than anybody else. And it's showing in the data. And so it helps to have these conversations again, because sales and marketing will always, will always have our, our attention and, and, you know, (laughs) different points of views on things. But I think when we come to the table with information that is really valuable, that helps sales leaders have, like you said, those tough conversations of, I know you're struggling, why, you know, is it that you don't mm-hmm. feel like you have the content? Okay. Well, you didn't know this existed. Here's this battle card, you know, or, Hey, you don't feel like you have content that's really speaking the way. And you, it just allows us to have more effective conversations overall. And I think at the end of the day, we all have the same goal, right? Like we want the business to do well. So if you tell exactly. me that in order for the business to sell, to sell more, I need to, you know, start using different terminology. Okay. We all have the same goal. So I will, if you give me the information, I will run with it. That's what it's going to take. Like I say no more. I'm on board. I've signed up. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I love all of that because it just, I, in my experience has allowed us to have way more effective conversations of Mm -hmm. it's not about what's working or what's not. It's about why. And then if you say, well, sellers don't want to use this because they feel like it doesn't really sound like them. Great. Let's all have a meeting with five sellers and we'll get you know, we'll update this to make sure that it feels really organic and natural for them to use it and pitch it and and have conversations around the content. Um, And one question that sparked as as you were talking that I don't want to forget to ask is how do you measure the success of content and your assets? Do you kind of go in, do you have a set number of, uh, do you have a set benchmark for success in terms of like, what you want to see for engagement or what you want to see for internal usage, you know, when you launch campaigns or, sp- or just assets themselves, maybe a battle card. Is it like, we want to see it used at least 50 times in a month, or what does that look like when you're kind of going through the process of create, of creating what success looks like for your campaigns?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's totally dependent on the campaign, of course, but like when I'm setting up a campaign you know, the things I'm thinking about are like, what are the, what are the objectives we have (laughs) with this campaign, right? From a marketing perspective, like we are trying to build pipeline for our business. And that looks like bringing new leads into the funnel. It looks like ensuring that those leads, you know, we've got this, we call, you know, tier one marketing qualified contact, right? That goes straight over to sales and gets followed up on. So I'm looking at you know, how many leads are regenerating? How are those being handled off to sales? How many of those are surfacing an opportunity? And so from a campaign perspective, like there are goals that we have around these campaigns of like, I need to get, you know, at least I'm going to make this number up, right. It's really low 50 people to raise their hand, to act off of this marketing content and to reach out to sales. And so when we create assets for campaigns. And a lot of those assets, sure, there's a lot of top of funnel, very high level thought leadership, but we also work with our product marketing teams to make sure that we have very kind of product specific content when that conversation gets to the bottom of the funnel. Um, And so part of what I will look at is every time we go into a campaign, I'm looking at what does our sales team actually use? So like from an internal usage perspective, I don't have some set number, but if I know we've created a series of content for this campaign for sales in the past, yeah. and they haven't used any of it, yeah. that is a really big area for me to go figure out what's going on. Do they not know about it? Yeah. Are they not confident in it? Do they not know it's a, like? Do they not know yeah. it's available? Yeah. Right? There's a lot of different places to go. Um, so I think I, when I think about internal usage, to me, I think about that as a leading indicator. Right? Yeah. How many reps are using this content? What types of segments are are they servicing? Are they using this content once a week, every day? Like how often are are they engaging and interacting? And that gives me a leading sense of like, is there some sort of training or enablement we need to do to make sure people know it's available? But I think what's even more important that I look at is um, understanding internal usage mapped against Mm -hmm. external engagement. And understand, it's one thing to know, hey, a sales rep has used this sales script, you know, Mm a hundred times sales reps have used this. What's more powerful for me to know is, hey, this has been used a hundred times and 80% of the time a rep using the sales script leads to a second conversation. Right. Like that's awesome. So I think it's really important to figure out like, what are the goals that you have? And if it's not a campaign, let's say you're doing a product launch and you have some very, you know, you might have, you know, a lot of product marketers, they share adoption goals with product management teams. And so maybe you're creating assets for customer success managers to help get somebody on board and adopting the platform. Like, I want to be able to map, you know, look at usage as the leading, like, are we going to hit our goals? And then you look at that external engagement of like, okay, are they using this one sheet or this you know, onboarding guide that we created or anything like that? And is that actually leading to the success that we've defined, whether it's new person has used this part of the product right. once, new person visits. So I, I really try to map that. It's not always perfect. You don't always have the exact data that you need, but um, I think there's a lot of ways you can get to that once you have a content um some sort of content management platform, some sort of sales enablement platform, you know, like you're really able to get into those details of like, okay, within this time frame, where we've launched this campaign or this product, mm-hmm. here are our goals, here's who's used it, and here's how customers or prospects actually engage with it. So right. you have to be able to map those things and you have to be really, really clear on the goals. Um, so like said simply, if you're focused on some sort of, you know, creating awareness, right? Maybe you've got a product coming a couple months down the road and you're trying to create some awareness and excitement and buzz about what's coming. And you've got this really awesome top of funnel white paper that's, you know, bringing leads to sales and they need to follow up on like what I'm tracking there looks very different from, oh, I'm trying to stand up, you know, I'm trying to get somebody to adopt this platform. So you gotta be really aware of what your objectives are and, and marry those two things. Um, but it's always going to come down to how are people using it internally and, um, how are folks externally engaged with it? Maybe it's a specific segment. Yeah. Right. Right. This industry it's really resonating with this type of persona. Um, and all of those insights will feed back into your marketing engine.
0: Yeah. I, the three, the three metrics that we use internally to kind of gauge the success of campaigns, initiatives, content in general is exactly what you said. It's internal usage, it's external engagement, and then Mm -hmm. our usage to engagement ratio. So Mm -hmm. basically, you know, just marrying the two together to say, okay, though it was pitched a hundred times, how, how many times did a buyer actually open it or, you know, a customer, whoever your audience is, And then you know, just doing the math and saying, okay, well, that's your engagement rate. And then what we've been able to do through content audits, you know, um, has used we've used the historical data to create benchmarks where we're saying, okay, I'm just going to throw out 50% is a good benchmark for in that engagement rate of okay, we like this content. It's performing, it's doing well. And, you know, it's indicative of this initiative is doing well. Like you said, launching a new campaign um, and it being a really good indicator of what's working and what's not that engagement rate, because not only is it bringing in internal usage into you know um the kind of math but it's also bringing engagement to say yes our reps are bought in to this initiative to this content to the topic whatever it's around but then also our buyers or customers are also bought in they're also finding it valuable yes. they're also thinking it's interesting because i think oftentimes <laughs> for me as a content marketer sometimes we're too in the silo of well what's working externally like you know what's getting engagement what's driving leads what's filling the funnel but you mm-hmm. have to be really thoughtful about But is your team internally bought in as well? Are they pitching it, you know, after their demo? Are they, you know, speaking to it on calls and sending it as follow-ups? Because that's so important as well. They're just as important as each other, right? If your team isn't using it, it's not going to be seen externally. And if it's not being engaged with externally, your team shouldn't be using it. Um, And so really like, Are we, it's been really nice to just kind of have some metrics to that our entire marketing team snap to, and everyone is like, okay, that engagement rate. And it's different for product marketing, right? Because their content is typically used through the middle of the, you know, more middle to end of funnel. So their engagement rate is going to be higher as sellers who, you know, are on texting basis Mm -hmm. with their, with their buyers. So they have a better relationship. Um, But I think that really locking on metrics as simple as, usage, you know, engagement helps everyone get a better idea of what's working and what's not. And then saying, okay, if it falls below these benchmarks, then we have conversations about, is it the initiative? Is it the content? Is it the topic? Is it reps didn't know where to find it? And then you can, like you said, you get to have these more in-depth conversations about like what do we do to fix the problem if there is one or if it's performing really well? Okay. We need to spin this off into a podcast. We need to do a blog yeah. post. Like we need to yeah. amplify this because it's working so well. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think and, it's
1: what, what you said is really important around the idea of like, it gives, it gives you a benchmark.
0: Like mm-hmm.
1: only when you have data aggregated over time, it doesn't take a while. You know, right. you can do some sort of pilot in a few months, you know, a few months get exactly. to some level of fidelity because like often we don't, have any of that data. We don't know what good looks like. And it's like, look, look at the last three to six months. Like that ratio was about 50%. Right. And I know that that's a good benchmark for us to push for. And it's not a perfect science, you yeah, know, yeah. there's always a million things that you have to kind of factor in, but it, it gives you that you know, way to monitor your metrics and your dashboard to say like, look, if something's dipping, I gotta go figure out what's going on here. Like this is giving me a really good directional data point. And so you don't have to just rely on you know, Hey, this person says they don't like this or it doesn't work. It's <laughs> like, well, 50% of the time it is working. So, like, <laughs> let's talk about why it's not working for you. Right. 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 So, Absolutely.
0: I love that. that actually leads me into my next question. How have you been able to use the data to improve or optimize, you know, campaigns or content or initiatives? I mean, as granular as you want to get, or as macro as, as you want to get on that example.
1: Yeah. I have a few different thoughts on that. So one of the things you mentioned before is this like, you know, sales and marketing always have different points of view. And I think that that's something, you know, that will until the end of time and, you know, <laughs> millions look back on our human species and they're like, oh yeah, sales and marketing, they never got along. Right. Like that will always be, but I almost think about like this data helps me get their point of view. Yeah. Right. It might be as simple, something as simple as like, You know, my team, again, part of my job is creating portfolio and solution level content. That is very similar to, you know, there's a lot of thought leadership work we do, but that's very similar to like product marketing type content, right? How do we talk about the overall value of what we're doing? Um, And so having data on how sales is using it, how they're engaging with it, like that gives us a really, really, or how customers are are engaging with it, I should say, like that gives us a really, really good basis point to go figure a few different things out. Mm -hmm. One is like, who should we be targeting with marketing, right? If I know that this specific talk track and messaging that is apparent and, you know, these 10 assets are working really, really well for financial services for sales reps as they've had these conversations, like I know from a campaign perspective wow, we should probably have something that speaks to financial services or maybe there's a specific problem that financial services customers have and we should go make sure that they're a focus for this campaign. So like, it really helps me get clear on like, who might we target and also what's resonating. You know, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that folks who have not been in sales or maybe haven't worked with sales as closely in you know, different variety of formats is, a lot of the times the content that marketing teams create, and I say this lovingly, cause like this is part of my job now and it's, you know, lab- a labor of love. Like it's not very actionable for yeah. sales. Yeah. Like there's no real way for them to follow up on it. There's no real way for them to send it to somebody to add value. Right. And so a lot of that data gives me a really, really good place to say like, look, when our sales reps enter into a conversation, what's actually resonating? What can we build off of? And like, what's going to make it like, you know, at easy button for mm-hmm. someone to follow up. So like a big part of that is like, what are the real life selling situations and conversations a reps in? So a really tangible example is one of the things, you know, every rep does is they ask discovery questions when they yep. get into the sales cycle. Right. And, we also had um, a lot of our CSMs in our business who kind of do these, you know, planning sessions with customers, mm-hmm. right? What are your goals? What do you need from that? What are your you know, challenges and outcomes? Okay. Now let's talk about mapping our platform to that. Here's how you're going to use it. What's your adoption plan? All of those conversations aren't happening until someone's in the sales cycle or until they've already, you know, signed on and been a customer. So a lot of what that data helps me do is bring those topics and mm-hmm. areas of discussion way mm-hmm. earlier into the funnel and also quite frankly, best practices. So we were able to build these like planning worksheets where we said, we're going to publish a you know thought leadership report about the state of the market for our industry. Yeah. And we're going to fall from that piece. Marketing is going to send these planning worksheets that say, look, like you got to make the most of 2022. Yeah. Here's some data. Here's how you plan to it. What's in the planning worksheet is exactly mapped to the discovery questions the sales rep's going to ask. And it's exactly mapped to the planning process the CSM is going to undertake. And so that marketing content perfectly sets the sales rep up to have a conversation. And so it's getting us on that same page. And because I have all this data, you know, part of my team's jobs with campaigns is making sure this is really consistent experience for prospects and customers, kind of no matter what touch point they have with us, like I'm able to see what is that exact messaging and language that's resonating? What are the problem points? Um, So there's a lot you can pull from those real life selling situations. And I think to that point of sales follow-up, like when I'm building a campaign, you know, I'm thinking about like, what's the best CTA from this, you know, is there an opportunity to drive someone to a sales conversation earlier? You know, maybe with our webinars, we tend to just say, you know, here's a webinar with a customer and we're going to send you the on-demand link as follow-up. Well, that's a really good opportunity to have someone reach out for a demo. Um, So having data on what sales is using, what's resonating with our customers helps me figure out where can I start those conversations or thoughts earlier in the funnel? And then where are the gaps? Like if we're creating this really high level thought leadership content, and it's not clearly connecting to our products, like maybe I need to go work with our product marketing teams to have some more product specific content, you know, to move people down. So there is I mean, like, I feel like the world is my oyster (laughs) from this type of data. I could go on and on.
0: Yeah, I that is such a great idea to the example you provided. Look at what works well with your customers and then say, if this is what when they become a customer they care about and they're using Mm -hmm. us for and they're finding value in. This should be a topic that we go Position for prospects because Absolutely. we want them to be a customer, and this is you know what our customers are using us for. So therefore, we have this topic already baked. That is a great
2: notes,
1: right? Like it makes it so much right. easier for the salesperson because you know, obviously you're selling, but you're also yeah. having the conversations around how are we going to make you successful. Exactly. And so you've already, you've already teed them up and the customer has already been thinking about this or the prospect, I should say. And it makes right. you more strategic. Exactly. Like,
0: it really does. You, you want does. them to see you as the partner to get them to mm-hmm. the future state that they want to get to. So why not take that evidence from people who are already at the future state and say, this is the value that they found. This is what they find most interesting and just repurpose it for, for the prospects. That is a, a wonderful, I'm. It works really well for marketing yes. and
1: sales as well, because a lot of the times what you find are those angles where, you know, obviously the discovery co- questions you have, are, you know, you want it to be specific to your business. So they get right. to the point of like, yes, is this person qualified, you know, as mm-hmm. a potential customer. Right. So obviously sales gets that, but it also open like broadens the scope for marketing. And what I mean by that is like, you know, every discovery question is going to have like 10 million other things a business needs to be thinking out that don't directly relate to your products. So like mm-hmm. it makes your marketing story stronger because you're able to find those problem spaces and opportunities and ways they're currently doing it that are probably, you know, not the best that you can start to talk about it. So it definitely services a lot of different people when you do that.
0: I, I love that. Um, we probably have some some listeners that maybe are not all the way bought in yet, still teetering on the importance <laughs> on the importance yeah. of analytics. Can you share maybe one story, one anecdote of a win that you experienced through using utilizing this data and the content process that we just kind of talked through? So obviously that. Last one that you just said sounds like it was an amazing campaign. I'm sure performed extremely well. But what is, you know, whether it was a seller who was not necessarily bought in on something and then using data, or if it was just a campaign that came out of, you know, utilizing data that has performed really well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a couple quick examples that I, that I'll give. Um, I think one of the first things, like when we launched our new platform and we started to get data is we actually saw low usage, like people just weren't using it. And at first we were kind of like, Oh, you know, just like it's hard to change behavior. Right. Uh," And like, as we started to dig in, you know, I'm, I, you know, I was newer in my career in sales enablement. Like, sure. I knew the marketing funnel. Did I totally understand the sales cycle? No. You know, and it showed like Mm -hmm. our platform was completely aligned around like top of funnel content, middle Mm -hmm. funnel content. And when I would train them, I'd be like, here's how you go into the tool. Here's how you search for a one sheet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, to a month into launch, I'm like, why is nobody using this? And I was able to go in and see there was low usage and I knew there was high performers and they had low usage. And so I went and talked to those people and they're like, nobody knows what mofu tofu and bofu is. You know what I mean? Like on the sales side, that means nothing to me. And also like the training that I received was very general on the tool. Like, Mm. and so that allowed me to go back to the drawing table to say like, okay, got to realign my content to the sales cycle. Like that was a fast learning for me at the start yeah. of my career. And the second thing was, I think you mentioned this before, but like training them in their daily workflow, like, look, imagine you're on a call with a prospect and, you know, they're like, cool. Love everything you're saying. I'm actually not the decision maker though. Like, could you send me something really quickly so I can you know forward it to Bob, my boss? Like. Imagine if you could just go into the tool and search like one sheet for, you know, Bob and financial services, right. And send that to them. So the data of low usage gave me a way to figure out how do we better align to what you said, sales language and terminology and the work that they do.
0: Yeah.
1: A second big thing that we noticed was like, there was a steep drop-off in um, content usage when folks started going into the proposal stage. And so one of the things I was able to do was recognize that like, we didn't have a good proposal template. Yeah. Um, and not every cost, not every deal needs a proposal, but I also think there is no harm in sending like a very well thought out. Here's exactly what we're going to do for you, right? If you're not in an industry that has it. And so we were actually able to create a proposal template yeah. for reps to use. And they started using it and driving more deals. So it helped me find like, what are those, content gaps. And as the product marketer, I loved it because I said, I know they're using this and they're actually going to represent our product with the messaging and the value
2: right.
1: as we intended. Exactly. Um, a really big third thing I think um, is optimizing your own team's time. Uh, you know, we have all, and if you have not yet, you will go through the process of sales reps requesting any number Ooh. of assets for you. <laughs> and you're just like, we have that, yeah. or like, you know, or like that we've tried is. that and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> so it just the having that data helped me, help me and my team optimize our own time. It helped us say, like, look, we already have that. Right. And like, or we've created something like that and nobody used it. And like, it also helps you get look at other data you're tracking and. Have a way to respond. So, right, we're seeing win loss rates ticking up and we're starting to lose more to the competition. But when I actually go look at this content usage, sales reps aren't using our battle cards. So, you know, maybe part of the reason we're losing more deals to competition is they're not using the stuff that's already created for them. So, like, no, we're not going to go do this whole other like initiative that you asked us to do because our win loss data is changing. Like, we're going to start by training reps and making sure they know how to use these battle cards and they're actually accessing them. Right. Um, And then I'd say the last kind of quick win that we've had is you kind of mentioned this idea of like high performers and, you know, Mm -hmm. sellers want to hear from sellers like them who are successful. I think that's like one of the number one things that we've been able to do. Like I'm able to go into the tool and say, you know, Sally over here in our European, you know, customer base Mm -hmm. use this asset you use these 10 assets through a sales cycle, it shortened the deal, it landed a bigger sales, uh, you know, a bigger deal. And I'm actually not going to tell you about it. Sally's gonna tell you about it. Sally's gonna tell you about the assets she used, and we let the sellers lead those conversations. Right. So, like that also takes time for my team. Yeah. And it just provides way more credibility. So, like everything from knowing where there's low usage and how that relates back to the bigger work to you're doing to like where there is high usage or one person using it or a team of people using it and getting them to tell that story for you will really, really do wonders for you and and the work that you do as an enabler. Uh,
0: All of these gems are are so invaluable. And I know that as someone who experienced life before tool and works at an organization, you know, that was an enterprise level organization with locations, 600 locations across the U S Puerto Rico and Canada. Yep. And it was brick and mortar locations with reps who would just email you and, and Slack you and ping you and any way that they carry your pigeon, you <laughs> for requests yeah. that were either existed or it was so, specific to them and only them that it was like, Hey, as an entire marketing team, we can't put together one thing that only you will use when we have requests from literally almost 600 other people. Right. And now fast forward, you know, years to where I'm at and having a tool where it allows for not only, you know, for them to be able to find what they need and see what works and what doesn't, but also to remix and say, "Okay well, I don't want this page? I'm gonna instead, yep. you know put this person's logo on it so that it's servicing so many people and still giving you information into what's working and getting sellers what they need. And it just, yeah, everything, everything you said, I'm like, wow, it was really yeah. taking me back to life before and life now. And, and just wanting, you know, to help those other marketers out there to figure out, you know, even if you don't have data, how can you, how can you get to a place where you're so optimizing you know your efforts and not spinning your wheels and and not right. having to have those conversations a million times about case studies that are already yeah. existed and, yeah and you, know, you can
1: really get those quick wins like with no. that proposal like we saw that it was dropping off but like honestly part of it was like we had this really huge deal that was about to land and it was like our first you know deal size of this amount, it yeah. was, you know, yeah. all hands on deck. And yeah. we all have those situations. And as marketers, like we got to optimize our time. Like when you're about to land your company's biggest deal and they're asking exactly. you to come in and help them create a proposal, like you're going to go, you're go gonna create, create a the proposal. proposal. <laughs> but we use that as the basis for what we provided to everybody else. So like exactly. it gave us a way to do that one-off custom effort. And then we scaled it. Yeah. And like, we let them customize it. We right. said like, here's where you can add a nice little graphic. Exactly. You know, if you're a customer, customer is in fin- uh, financial services or is in telecoms like here's a really easy way to kind of put this together and use that specific customer story and things like that so yeah there's just some um, there's really no limit to what you can start to do with that data and I, I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give to folks is you know not having the data is a really great time to start building your case for why you need the data and like be that squeaky wheel. That's like, look, if I had data on this, this is what I could do for you. And I promise it will come.
0: Yeah. And I loved what you said in the beginning of if you don't have the data, build using that as a tool to build the future state. So if we did have data, what would you want this to look like? If we did have data, you know, where what do you think the gaps are? And then when so building the map, the you know foundation, the path, whatever you want to call it. And then when you get data, sometimes it is a little, you know, gratifying when they're like, oh well, we would need this and this is what would work and this Mm -hmm. is and you're like, well, (laughs) the information says that actually, (laughs) um, and so I I couldn't agree more of you know, even if you don't have the data, using that as an opportunity to talk about future state and get you know, stakeholder yeah. buy in, you know, get buy in from other teams and function heads to say, Well, imagine if we did this, is what we think, you know, and we're going to map to this and we're going to march to this until we have that data. But then, you know, once you have the data, make sure that you're actually gut checking, make sure that just because you said that you were going to do this thing or you thought that this was the thing that you needed most, make sure that you're looking in, you're, you're making sure you're validating because I, there has been plenty of times where I was like, this is the campaign. You know, I looked at the data and I, and I'm like, this is the topic. This is why this, you know, content worked and no, it wasn't the topic. It was that, well, I spent way more time meeting with reps, training them up on why we created the campaign. That's why it works. Like, yes, the topic was good. You know, buyers were still engaged, but it was like, no, it actually was, I, you know, did a roadshow and attended sales meetings and had conversations and landed it really well, so they felt confident to have conversations. But again, without data, I wouldn't have known why one out, far out, outperformed the other. And it's like it allows you to kind of take bias out of things and and use facts <laughs> to ground yourself, which I would say is uh, again to your point earlier of like makes you efficient with your time. It saves your team time. It has saved my team tremendous hours of like, well, this already exists, or we tried this before and here's how it worked. It didn't... And it's objective. It's, it's objective. Exactly. You can't yeah.
1: argue with it, right? It's like, here's what it is. And I think
0: one of yeah. the, one
1: other small tip, you know, I know we're wrapping up. Yeah. One of the things you can do, we did early on. Um, and I don't think we still have this today, just for yeah. the sheer size of our sales force, but we actually took the data, you know, a lot of the times the person who owns the sales name when tool is not a sales leader and they're not in like the admin view. So right. we actually took some of that data and like we would share snippets. We would also like pull that data from the system and build a little dashboard. And we would yeah. allow sales leaders to filter by their name for their team. And they that. had a dashboard of yeah. like, here's exactly what your teams are using. Here's how it's engaging. And like yeah. we put that in their hands. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so there's just there's just so much that you can do with this data. Um, and and, you know, the yeah, the possibilities are really Limitless, truly endless. So it's not like a commercial. I know, I know it's a good Uh, (laughs) tagline, man.
0: Well, Sapphire, I could talk to you for hours. This has been an absolute pleasure. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all of your expertise. I know that our audience is jotting down notes. I know there's plenty of things that I (laughs) am excited to implement and, and work on. Um, so thank you, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Of course. Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their week and year. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.
2: Thanks so much for tuning in for the latest episode of Leading the Way. If you're looking to enhance your sales enablement credentials, Product Marketing Alliance has just a ticket in the form of Sales Enablement Certified. No matter where you're at in your product marketing journey, this course is packed with real life examples, case studies, expert tuition, templates, and activities that you need to build and scale awesome sales enablement programs. Delivered by Sapphire Reels, Director of Portfolio and Integrated Marketing at Pluralsight, the course will help you articulate the importance of sales enablement and sell it internally, design a sales enablement program from scratch based on business objectives and sales needs, launch and iterate sales enablement programs, demonstrate the importance and impact of sales enablement on the business and revenue generation enroll on the course now at pmmalliance.co forward slash sales enablement certified and get all the tools you need to design and launch impactful sales enablement programs